All right, joining us now on Through the Ringer, she is the great Nora Princiati. This is her second time on Through the Ringer, and we got a lot of topics to talk about. It's almost that time of the year. It's almost NFL season. We'll talk a little Taylor Swift, but first and foremost, Nora, how are you on this uh, Wednesday afternoon? I'm great, Tay. Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me. Um, I feel compelled to say, as a as normally just a lowly podcaster without all of the video accoutrement, I just I just moved. And I haven't, I really, you are like reminding me that I have to set up our office to have something other than just like the blank white walls that are behind me. So, um, I'm not in some kind of, uh, cold Insane dark asylum. room. Yeah. Like yeah, just, right. just so You're everybody good. knows I'm working on it, <laughs> uh, but I'm glad to be here. I will be honest. I can't take much credit for the set behind me. This is Bill Simmons' office, so this is uh, designed and uh, owned and operated by BS. So this is uh, this looks good. It looks like I did something, but you know what I mean. I'm just kind of uh, you know I'm just here. I'm just hanging. Yeah, out. but you're still in there, and it's like really, really putting <laughs> me to shame right now. But it will spur action on my part. So it's ultimately a good. Thing. Well, that that's all we want. We want action. And uh, speaking of action, the Chargers uh, had some action this week. They have made Justin Herbert the high. Highest paid quarterback in NFL history. In case you missed it, a blockbuster extension, five years, $262 million for Justin Herbert. And I have a little editor's note here, Nora. I don't know if you know this. I do have Chargers season tickets. So oh, I am oh. I am a bolt. Um, so I, I, everything I say here might sound a little bit, you know, fanatical at times, but I will say I'm excited for Justin Herbert. What do you say as the actual capital J here when you see this news? It's, it's a, it's a, Totally standard, normal quarterback deal. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts came in at, at 51 million a year, average annual value. Lamar bumped it up a little bit. That ended up at 52. Herbie's at 52 and a half. This is the normal order of things. That being true is is kind of wild. Um, I saw uh Tom Pelsero at NFL Network put put something together where he broke it down where in 2013, so 10 years ago, Aaron Rodgers was the market leader. He had the highest um, salary for a quarterback and he was making $22 million a year. So in a decade, the salary cap has gone up like 80% and the quarterback salaries have actually outpaced that because they've they've more than doubled. There's four quarterbacks who are making over 50 and you know Joe Burrow is coming down the pipeline. Um, I think it... Generally speaking, when you have the quarterbacks who are due, it kind of goes in order of who has the most leverage, um, least to most in the order they get done. And it, it followed this season, right? Like Lamar went first and that was that was a tricky situation in, in ways the others weren't. But that was a more like the team is a little hesitant in, in certain ways to totally shell out. And then it seemed like, OK, up next, we've got Herbert. And then... Joe Burrow is going to follow. Um, and that'll be the one to watch, right? If he will use that to try to do something that's a little bit more paradigm shifting or if he will sort of fall into this this formula. But if you're a Bolts fan, like Justin Herbert's awesome. This is this is the right move, I think, very plain and simple. 
Yeah, Herbert is uh, the only player in league history to throw for at least 4,000 yards in each of his first three seasons. He also threw 94 touchdown passes, which is only second to Dan Marino in his first three seasons in the NFL. So if you're a Chargers fan, uh, you go from Phillip Rivers right into Justin Herbert. Uh, he was drafted six overall in 2020. 2020, not the best year for anybody, but uh, for Justin <laughs> Herbert, you know, it was, a, it was a good time to get drafted to a team that he really likes. And now he's in a position where um, all eyes are on him. But like you said, Joe Burrow is probably the next domino to fall here. When when, when we, should we expect Joe Burrow to get his deal? Probably pretty soon. Yeah. Um, often teams they're kind of in tandem together. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I do think that there's a strong likelihood that Burrow's camp was waiting for the Herbert deal to happen, just because again, every single one of these just pushes the needle up a little bit. Um, there's some chance that you know Joe Burrow a. a a quarterback who has taken his team to a Super Bowl might say, I want a little bit more even than that. And I view my situation as independent from those other ones. But typically, that's not what we see. So I would imagine that Cincinnati and Burrow were basically just waiting for this to happen. So we would see it pretty soon. A lot of teams use the start of training camp as a sort of artificial deadline. Some teams use not the start of training camp, which just happened, but like, the first padded practice, kind of a week into camp when things really heat up, they'll look at that as kind of the artificial deadline. Um, artificial is the key word. They can do this whenever. <laughs> it's all made up. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're just making it up as we go along here. But I bet it'll happen very soon. Yeah, I like that. And like you said, he could reset the quarterback market. And uh, the quarterback market is a good market to be in. A market <laughs> that is not so good to be in is the running back market. And we saw a lot of controversy, a lot of commentary online about running backs and their value and what teams are trying to do. Um, and the real conversation kind of centered around Saquon Barkley, who finally gets a deal done. He's going to get he's going to make a little bit more than what the franchise tag would have been. Um, very similar to what Edron James did back in 2005 with the Indianapolis. Colts. Um, if anybody remembers that, that was kind of, uh, you know, he had no leverage, but he was able to get paid more money. Um, what do you think about the running back market in general and specifically about Saquon's situation? Well, I think Saquon's situation illustrates what the running back market is like right now, which is tough because mm. of those guys. I mean, you know, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, who were dealing with not being thrilled about being tagged. Saquon had the most leverage. That offense relies on him for explosive plays. I think they are hoping uh, to diversify who's creating that this upcoming season after having drafted Jalen Hyatt, after having gotten Darren Waller into the fold. So there's a little bit more diversity of options there. But that offense is a real synergy between Daniel Jones and including what Daniel Jones does as a runner, but also what they're able to do on the ground with with Saquon. If he held out of camp, which players on the tag, right, are uniquely able to do because if they haven't signed it, they are not signed. So they don't get fined for for missing training camp practices. It would have been more significant, I think, than, um, you know, Josh Jacobs is not in, in Las Vegas right now. I'm sure that matters. I don't think it matters quite as much. And, yeah, and if mean, we were to talk about them missing games in the fall, I think that would be... be um, increased in how much it would matter. So if Saquon's not able to really throw his weight around other than to the tune of, right, he gets a, a raise of around $900,000 and he gets um, a little bit more money up front, but it is effectively 
this it's a similar number as the franchise tag. I think that kind of tells you where things are, which is one of the most valuable running backs in the league doesn't have a lot of leverage. Yeah, and we saw, uh, you know, they had like a running back Zoom. Uh, you saw all these other running backs come out, and Najee Harris talks about Saquon's value. Saquon went on a podcast and basically was like, I don't want to sit out, but I might have to. Um, this kind of comes on the heels of Le'Veon Bell talking about when he did sit out and how much he regretted his decision to sit out um, because it ended, ended up impacting his value long term in the league. So there's all like there's a lot of nuance to the conversation in general. But it, at the end of the day, Saquon's on a one year deal right now. Do you think there's any other team, maybe like the Miami Dolphins? I heard them rumored to have some interest in Saquon. Is there another team that may may want to get into the Saquon sweepstakes and try to sign him to a longer term deal and try to make a trade? I don't think so. I mean, if there are a lot of teams, right, that in theory should be interested, but I don't think that I think Saquon is most valuable to the Giants, not only as a player, although I do think that the way that they have run that offense, the way that he and, and Jones coexist is really significant to them. But also he's he's one of the faces of that franchise. I don't think that. And this, again, is why I think his situation in not quite playing on the tag, but essentially just having to throw his hands up and be like, all right, this is what it is, is illustrative of of the moment. He is in the place that should want him the most. And mm. if you look around the league, Ezekiel Elliott is, is still out there. Dalvin Cook is still out there. These guys are just like ready to play for someone. And so far at a price point that they would want to command. The appetite doesn't seem to be there, which I think like there's a little bit more nuance, I think, to the running back conversation right now than maybe there was a couple of years ago when we were really, really, really in the the first frontier of this is the most past first of a league that it's ever been. Some of that pendulum seems to be swinging back around where teams are investing, and I'm going to use that word carefully, investing <laughs> in the running game in terms of how they deploy it on the field. So when we talk about this as like a as basically an economics problem, which is what it is, the demand actually is there. The problem is the Chiefs had a lot of success sort of reinventing parts of their offense last, last season and going all the way to winning the Super Bowl by asking Isaiah Pacheco, who they drafted in the seventh round, to be the type of sort of downhill head of steam runner that they have not always had. And it worked just fine. So the problem is not that teams don't want these guys to be performing these roles on the field or that the NFL has, you know, eliminated the running game for as much as some things have trended in that direction. That's really not the case. And I would argue that it's turning back a little bit. The problem is that teams think that they can find these guys anywhere. And they are kind of being proven correct in that, which is why the Zoom call is really interesting because I think the only path, and it's really hard, but the only thing that would work for these guys is like essentially to strike because that's how you you shut off the supply valve. And now that's a really hard thing to pull off. But I think they are starting to come together and recognize the positional needs at that position are different because of how short-term the careers are, of how much of, of their peak years they use up in college, and just how brutally physical the, the position is. And so I, I don't want 
I don't have super high expectations of how much how much leverage they'll actually be able to to gather together because you're talking about a lot of different players in different parts of their careers who have super different interests and perspectives. But to the extent that they are able to mobilize collectively, I think will be the same extent to which they are able to change the current situation, which is not great for them. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. I want to talk about something a little bit more fun um, than the running back position and where it is currently. Um, I want to talk about future and Russell Wilson. This is one of my favorite <laughs> beefs um, in all of sports and all of media. Um, future had a new song come out, um, Turn Your Click Up, which is uh, featuring Quavo. And uh, he basically said he's in the field. Um, and then he says, expletive, F Russell Wilson. Um, and then Russell Wilson has responded. He has taken a picture on an actual football field with future son, his biological son. Um, and Nora, I, I'm just I'm just an innocent bystander. I'm watching all this play out in real time. But uh, what what have you seen of this? And what is what side are you on in the war future versus Russell Wilson? Because this has been going on since 2015 at this point. So, first of all, love to be fighting over Sierra. Just 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 <laughs> our national pastime, perhaps. Right. Look, I, I got to say, Russell Wilson has not been. It's not been getting a lot of W's over the last year or so. I don't think the the general arrow has been pointing up in Russell Wilson land. I think this is a win. I think I think Russell versus <laughs> future. I think Russell is winning this one. He posted. um he posted a photo of him and Sierra's son with Future on the field at, at training camp, um, like hashtag dad life. And I think like <laughs> this is the only avenue in which Russell Wilson's annoying corniness actually kind of works because yes. it's just like he's doing his thing. He's he's trying to co-parent. He's, he's actually and, 
He, he, yeah, he's the father that stepped up, right? I mean, he, he's kind of like, in this sense, he actually is, like you said, like being a corny dad is actually cool when you're actually being a corny dad. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> honestly happy for him. I think he's taken, he has brought it on himself, but he has taken a lot of slings and arrows lately. Some of them from myself included. I mean, Mr. Unlimited was, was a tough, <laughs> was a tough own goal, I think from team Russell and like no one went to his birthday party. Do you remember that story from last year? I'm happy for him. I'm happy that I'm happy that he's under future skin. I will say it's funny that like we're right at the outside of training camp. Uh, There are 31 training camps that you could visit around the NFL and you would universally hear future on the soundtrack. You do not hear future at Broncos training camp. Hmm. Hmm. And, and if we read between the lines there, we kind of know what the feeling is. And uh, I don't blame Russell for feeling that type of way. I remember back in 2015-2016 uh, season, uh, the Panthers go to the NFC Championship game. Young Jeezy, future go to the NFC Championship game. They're playing the Cardinals. It's you know Cam Newton versus Carson Palmer. feels like a lifetime ago. But they took a picture afterwards, and that was the first time where it was like they had just beaten the Seahawks the week before in the divisional round. Russell, you know, obviously loses to Cam Newton, and then Future's there taking a picture with the guy that just beat him. There's been these subtle moments over the years where you keep seeing the beef kind of come back to the forefront. And Russell Wilson, in this instance, I think he actually won. You know what I mean? One, He has one tally mark on his side. Future has been winning a lot of these along the ways, you know, with his little subtle shots. He's obviously got the music that is uh, beloved by, you know, the culture in general. So um, it was nice for Russell Wilson to get one. He can hang his hat on something. Um, and it was funny. You know, it made us laugh. So congratulations to Russell Wilson. One win. He finally got a win. Well, and also he's very clearly under future skin. And now, like, look, it's the, <laughs> there's kids involved. It's a fairly high stakes thing. So I suppose yes. that is both natural and also I don't want to make too much light of it. But the line, first of all, is is not remotely subtle. It is just F Russell. So we kind of like, <laughs> yes. it, there's no, there's no I think nuance in the past, to what he said. Like, yes. You have to know, <laughs> like if you're, if you're a future fan, you kind of have to know that the Panthers had beaten the Seahawks. Like you, you kind of have to put it all together. This one, you do not have to put anything together with anything else. But I think the other thing is just, this has been going on for a long time. And the fact that we just have like a new chapter that has been introduced in the year of our Lord, 2023. And then Russell's just like, I don't know, man. I'm just living my life. Here's my Instagram post. Hashtag dad life. Well done. Yeah, well done. And like you said, we, we've been hard on Russell Wilson, so we'll give him one. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. 
One last story I want to talk to you about because this is also personal to you. Uh, Travis Kelsey, <laughs> who just won a Super Bowl. Um, th- this was a story he talked about it on his podcast. He tried to give Taylor Swift. Um, you are the, the Taylor Swift uh, songbird. You are the one that connects us with what's happening in Taylor's world. Um, but he said he tried to give Taylor Swift his phone number via a friendship bracelet with his number um, in the bracelet, I'm guessing, and that she denied him and that he took it very personally. What What are your thoughts on this? Does Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, do they make sense as a, as a couple um, at the end of the day? Or are you happy that Taylor gave him the the, the stiff arm? Okay, so they absolutely make no sense whatsoever as a couple. Yeah, right. Um, the friendship bracelet thing is funny because <laughs> at Taylor's Eras Tour, one of the things that the fans are doing at every stop is they're making all these friendship bracelets and they usually say something. So it'll be a bunch of cute, colorful beads, but then it'll say like sexy baby, which is a line that people love to make fun of from um, Antihero, which is the lead single off of her latest studio album or like they're all references to old songs or to to jokes mm. within the fan base and stuff like that. So you'll see at these concerts, people are trading these bracelets all the time, like among their friends, but also just with other people at the concert. So the friendship bracelet thing is a thing. And I give Travis Kelsey props for for thinking that through and having that idea. Um, I want to call out the entire NFL for just spending the whole summer clout chasing on the back of Taylor Allison Swift. Like, it is so <laughs> shameless. Aaron Rodgers. Like, yes, I actually, I was, I, when I went to the show in, in New York, I was very near Aaron, who does not know the lyrics to the songs, but is like posting galore about being there. It is, my, my every single album co-host, Nathan Hubbard, loves to talk about like how the men have adopted Taylor this summer. And it is really true But it just like it has amused me to no end to see them all getting really excited about going to see the show, being really impressed by the athleticism of performing for three and a half hours as she does every night. But then also the social media teams for all of these franchises just going around. Everybody's made a video. Um, I do love to play because they all do these videos where they go to all the different players on the team and say, what's your favorite? Taylor Swift song, and then they'll post it before <laughs> she's in that city on the tour. Uh, it's become my favorite game to play spot the actual Taylor Swift fan. Um, yeah. Because you can tell. Jared Goff, by the way, props. Um, yeah, he's a real fan. He, f- he feels like he would be a real fan also. Yeah, so, no, yeah, he, he had Goff. some deep cut, deep cut pulse, <laughs> and I respect it. But they all know that this is a massive cultural moment. And I know what you're doing here, Travis Kelsey, which is not to say that he wouldn't be thrilled to date Taylor Swift, um, should any of us be so lucky. But mm. they all just know that this is this is an opportunity that people are paying a lot of attention to. And it, yeah, I, I feel it must be called out. Yeah, it's a clout play for sure. And she's coming to L.A. right now. She's going to be at SoFi. Uh, the tickets are insane. She's selling out everything. I think the next move for Taylor Swift, I saw this, uh, I was I was looking at Madison Square Garden the other day when uh, Drake was playing there. Uh, Harry Styles sold out 15 straight shows um, at Madison Square Garden and you got a banner. If you're Taylor, you got to go for 16. You, you got to take down that Harry Styles banner. So that's my, my one last thing to Taylor. I think you try to sell out 16 straight um, and, and you get that banner torn down. You get your own banner. That's the move.
I believe she has that at the the venue formerly known as the Staples Center, or she at least she does did have, have a banner at, at Staples. Yeah, yeah, yeah she, she does at Crypto. She has a banner, but uh, I think it's time to take over New York too. So there you go. I like that. Uh, one last thing, Nora. Aaron Rodgers. There was a picture of him in his New York Jets uniform. Uh, quickly, your thoughts. It's fine. So it's fine. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is a Jet. I have I have welcomed into my life. Aaron Rodgers is a New okay. Yorker. Is is fascinating to me. Um, he walks among us. He has been, there was a fantastic Wesley Morris piece in, in, um, the New York times recently about how, like how he has adopted this city and is sort of enjoying all of its, I live in New York, by the way. So that's, that's sort of why I'm interested in this. Um, but he was at the Tony awards. Like he's doing all of these things. And so watching Aaron Rodgers engage, uh, with the city he now calls home is something I'm incredibly excited to watch. A little nervous, but I'm I'm interested. Um, and it seems like now, because he just restructured his contract and we don't know the exact details of it yet, but it seems as though it was done with an eye towards solidifying the fact that he he would be with the Jets for more than a year. So the jersey works. It seems like he'll be he'll be <laughs> wearing it um for more than one season. The thing that is on my mind with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets right now is because they're they're on hard knocks. And I know that I am supposed to be the person coming here with information, but I'm just going to broadcast this because I'm trying to figure it out. And I've asked a bunch of people. What, how can Liev Schreiber narrate hard knocks? Isn't he supposed to be mm. on strike? They are publicizing this as though he is going to do it again. So if anybody has any can offer any clarity on this subject matter, I just put the call out now. I want to understand because... Rogers called him the voice of God and said that it's the only thing that he's looking forward to about participating in the show. So unanswered questions. Yeah, it feels like something that AI might step in and they they use like, the, you know, his voice and they try to do it for him. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it's like well, I saw some of the A24 stuff is like they had separate deals where they're paying actors what the union wants. So they're able to act in some of their projects. So maybe there's some sort of like whatever production company is doing hard knocks. They have some sort of deal in there where it's like actually favorable and the union has approved it. I don't know how it all works, but that's well, a great it's question. Different for the on the writing side because it's unscripted. But yes. I still don't understand how that applies to <laughs> the narration. We don't either, um, but we'll figure that out. We'll do our research. Um, and also Aaron Rodgers, uh, it looked like a Halloween costume. I, I don't I don't understand how that photo came out, but I also think he may have done it on purpose. It's a very memeable thing. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to see him on Hard Knocks. It's all good stuff. She is the great Nora Princiati. Nora, where can we find all your ma- amazing work on The Ringer? Um, on the ringer.com on the every single album <laughs> feed we've been yes rolling through this summer of Taylor Swift uh Nathan Hubbard myself our fabulous producer Kai McMullen and then the ringer NFL show Stephen Ruiz and I just spent several weeks going division by division doing previews but also creating a sort of power rankings um for the season ahead and we just ended with the NFC East so that's been fun and I hope everybody checks all that out Go check out all that work. And Steven Ruiz, not happy about Justin Herbert being the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I'll talk to him about that at a later <laughs> date. Um, but appreciate you coming on the show, Nora. And uh, we'll, we'll have you back soon. Thanks, Tate. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, joining us now on Through the Ringer, he is a senior reporter covering the Los Angeles Lakers for The Athletic. You've seen him all over the ringer. You've seen him on Beyond the Arc before with KOC. He's the great Yovan Buha. Yovan, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, I loved having you. I love the idea of having you on the show in the offseason so we can talk about, you know, the Lakers, right? We're in Los Angeles, so everybody wants to talk about, you know, will this be the year that they win a championship and these types of things. So those are more fun conversations that maybe we have on the other side. But unfortunately for us, there was some big news that came out um, yesterday Bronny James collapsed on the court during a workout at USC on Monday, he suffered cardiac arrest, uh, according to a statement from the James family. He is now, of course, in stable condition and no longer in the ICU. A lot of reporting for this story. Um, you're doing the reporting yourself. There's, you know, Shams was the first one I saw report this. But first and foremost, like how how big of a story is this and when did you find out the news? It's a huge story. Uh, so I found it out yesterday morning around the same time everyone else did. Uh, and immediately you start reaching out to people. But this is such a delicate situation dealing right. with an 18-year-old who hasn't even played a minute of college basketball yet. Uh, and I, I think the James family obviously handled it uh, you know, a, a certain way, controlling the message and uh, I think really keeping things internal uh, that not much has gotten out in terms of... There's not many stories that nowadays you, that doesn't get broken, right? This, yeah. this is something that we learned about way after the fact, which is kind of insane in today's climate. And, and obviously it got out to an extent because TMZ reported it and, yeah. and clearly someone leaked that. But uh, in terms of the nature of what happened, and um, which is a big factor here in terms of uh, was it a contact drill? Was it uh, just him running or, or you know, a non-contact situation? Uh, so there's a lot of things that are to be determined in terms of the next steps and the recovery and when he can ultimately return to the court. Uh, but first thing is just reaching out to people, trying to get stuff, not getting much. Uh, then spoke with uh, several doctors yesterday, including a sports doctor and, and sports scientist, and uh, just trying to glean, again, with limited information, uh, just kind of what the next steps in this process are. Yeah, and you see the names, right? I mean, the, the Athletic put this out. Bronny James, uh, DeMar Hamlin is a name that comes up. Keontae Johnson, who we just saw, you know, get an opportunity in the NBA, but we remember that scary moment at Florida. So it is not, you know, the first time we've seen something like this. Obviously, going back just in L.A. history, Hank Gathers um, and that, you know, horrific, tragic story um, in general. So uh, it's not like the first time we've seen it, but it does feel like it, it is kind of a, a huge reaction. There was an uproar with people talking talking about all types of other sidebar issues in general, but from the, the health side that you've been trying to pinpoint, what are doctors saying and what are medical professionals saying um, and the limited talks that you've had with them? Yeah. So it, there's again, kind of different things that could have caused this uh, potentially a contact situation. It doesn't seem like that's Which what would happened. be more Which like DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. yeah. So uh, either that, or it could be a genetic situation. It could have been, um, you know, something with electrolytes and, I don't know all the, the kind of medical terms with, with everything, but, um, you know, regardless of, of kind of what happened, these next few days and weeks are going to be about running him through several tests, 
trying to determine what caused it. And then from there, going through the options of does he potentially need surgery? Uh, is it something he could just take medication? Uh, is it something where he just has to rest? And, and, you know, that's probably the most optimistic best case scenario. Uh, but I think, you know, really it's, it's a terrifying situation because uh, I, I think we look at LeBron as the peak of genetics. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy who is going into year 21. He's like uh, almost invincible. He's almost point. invincible. Yeah. And, and you would you know think that that would be the, the same case with his son. And I think that's also kind of a, a subplot to all of this is just seeing, um, you know, the, the harrowing nature of, of kind of just how this has played out. So uh, but the, the next thing for him is obviously resting, getting healthy. And I think it sounds like from the, the doctors I spoke with, the best case scenario would be him returning in a few weeks. But more realistically, it's probably going to be several months. And, and you saw the same situation uh, with Vincent. I, I can't really pronounce his name. Uh, Iwachuku? Iwachuku, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, um, <laughs> and that was last summer. That was last summer. It was I didn't in want to July. talk about that, right? It was right? July 1st. So this is back-to-back -back years. And, and you know, tip of the cap to the USC medical professionals that were on the ground to um, be there for both incidents. But this is the exact same thing that happened last year. So back-to-back -back years, USC has had to basically um, revive guys on the ground during summer conditioning drills, which is insane to say. Yeah. And uh, every minute counts. That, that's one thing also that I was told is like it's basically four to six minutes to save someone's life in this scenario. Uh, and according to the American Heart Association, 90 percent of people that have cardiac arrest die each year. So, wow. I mean, that's just just the, uh, you know, him talk about harrowing. Yeah. yeah just like, that stat alone. Yeah. yeah. So him even surviving this, let alone returning to basketball is a miracle in and of itself. Uh, but yeah, second time USC dealt with this both times in July uh, and Vincent didn't return until January uh, of, you know, the, the following season played 14 games. Uh, but again, that's about five, six months later. Uh, so you could be potentially looking at, depending on how things play out, a similar timetable for Bronny. And a lot of conversations around Bronny, you know, obviously his name is LeBron James Jr. So that comes with a lot of conversations. And since he was 14 years old, he's kind of been in the spotlight. We've talked about, you know, he's at Crossroads. He's at Sierra Canyon. He will, what school will he go to? He visits Ohio State. He goes here, he goes there. And he's just been a, a cultural conversation. And obviously LeBron has pointed out to us that he wants to play NBA basketball with Bronny in the future. How much of those conversations that were kind of done in this vacuum of, you know, there's, you know, almost futuristic. How much is reality going to set in at some point? Because health is the number one thing, obviously, in this situation. Yeah, I mean, th this puts his basketball future into doubt to some extent uh, where, you know, I think, uh, again, it's to be determined what caused this, but there is a chance he isn't able to play basketball again, unfortunately. Um, you know, most likely he will have to continue to monitor this moving forward and, uh, you know, continue to, to like get uh, periodical you know, health screenings and, and really, you know, again, potentially have surgery to uh, put a defibrillator in his heart, uh, you know, depending on how serious it is. So there's a lot of different ways this can play out, but it does kind of change the, you know, we've been talking about LeBron and, and Bronny playing together for so long. That's been the narrative, right? And Since he put that out to the world, that yeah. was his ultimate goal. It's been several years now. Yes. And now that's potentially uh, something that might not play out. And it's, you know, obviously this is a, a personal private issue for the James family. They don't owe anything publicly no. to us, but it is one of those things where Bronny is such a public figure that there is so much intrigue and interest and, and people try to forecast what his future looks like. But I think you make a great point. 
it would make a lot of sense to me if Bronny doesn't even play at USC this year, where he, he you know he doesn't need to force himself back into a situation where something like this could happen again, because nobody wants to see, no matter how talented they could be, someone in the ICU because of basketball activity. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Um, but it feels like we'll have an update within the next couple of weeks, most likely. But um, until then, it's, it's kind of wait and see with just how this all plays out. And again, shout out to the USC medical professionals on the ground. Like you said, timing is everything in these situations. And I know some coaches, you know, they know how to do CPR and, you know, they, they are certified to do that. But a lot of times you need that medical staff to be there. So shout out to USC for having people um, on the ground. And again, we just hope that Bronny, um, regardless of the basketball side of it, just, you know, from a health side, we hope that he gets back in a position where one, we can hear from him and two, um, he can go back to being an 18 year old kid because it did feel like when the news came out, it, it almost made your heart drop. You know what I mean? Just to hear that something like that happened to someone where everything was going right for Bronny at mm-hmm. this point. I mean, he had the NIL deals, he had the USC year coming up. And um, at this point, it's just all about the personal side for Bronny. So we hope that, um, you know, there's good news on the other side of this at some level. Um, prayers out to Bronny and the whole James family. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. There is a conversation about what the Lakers timeline looks like. You obviously cover the Lakers. How much is LeBron thinking about basketball um, past, you know, this next year? Or is it really kind of a last dance type look for him? I think it's it's been up in the air because of the Bronny situation of, um, you know, I think he, he's been projected as a first round pick. Yeah, Gavoni had him first round. Yeah, you, you didn't know how that was going to play out until he actually you know stepped foot on the court and, and played. So if he was going to be a two year guy, a three year guy that obviously is extending LeBron's window. And I, I think that would have increased the likelihood that he stays in L.A. beyond this season. Uh, but I think this season is really going to come down to how things shake out for LA can they build on last year's conference finals run uh you know LeBron was asked about it when they got swept by the Nuggets and he was basically like he was asked about the the turnaround and uh if he felt it was a successful season because they started two and ten they were out of the play-in tournament for most of the year they make these trades at the trade deadline turn things around and go to the conference finals and he was like I've been in the conference finals over half my career like at this <laughs> point it, it doesn't do anything for me so I think for him it's championship or bust and if the Lakers can win a championship, I think that would cement him staying in L.A. for at least a couple more years. If not, I, I think, you know, there's a potential for him to to look elsewhere. But I do think now with, with this Brian situation and it not being clear what's going to happen with him and uh, is he going to, you know, is he going to play basketball again? Is he going to sit out the year uh, as you you know hinted at? Like 
I think that kind of puts things up in the air more so than it had been as recently as a couple of days ago. It felt like everything was almost premeditated, predetermined. Yeah. And now, you know, life is life and things happen and then things change situations. So I do have uh, the NBA futures in front of me. So I wanted to, to bring that up as well. The Lakers are plus 1500 next year to win the championship. The Celtics are the favorite at plus 470. Nuggets plus 480. Bucks plus 550. Suns plus 600. Um, is there a move that the Lakers are looking? I know Christian Wood was a name that I heard. I don't know if he's still in the fold, but is there a trade? You mentioned the deadline this year that they're saying, okay, we would love to make a move for someone like Buddy Heald or whoever it may be. Is there something that they're like, there's one trade away from really being that team to be a favorite? So right now they have 13 guys on the roster. They're planning on carrying 14 going into next season. Uh, so they are looking at a third big man. If you look at the depth chart right now, it's only Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes. And I've, I've found it kind of funny because they've talked about going back to the two big look mm. that they used the championship season with Dwight but, when Dwight Howard was with the Dwight fight. and JaVale yep. next to AD. But you can't play a two big look when you have two bigs on the roster or, you know, those guys aren't going to play 48 minutes a night together. So mm. you're going to have to stagger them a bit. So I think they clearly need a third center. Uh, the two names I've reported on are Christian Wood and Bismack Biombo. Each guy gives something different. Wood, obviously, more of an offensive minded shooter, scorer. Uh, has a soft touch inside. And then Biombo is more of a roller, rim protector. Uh, I personally think Biombo... Would... Bismack is the guy. Yes. Of those two options, yes. Bismack is what LeBron is I think he's for. the best probably available big for what they need. Uh, and he kind of gives you more of that Dwight JaVale look next to uh, AD. He was actually second in the league in terms of defensive field goal percentage allowed at the rim behind Jaron Jack uh, Jackson Jr., which is pretty, pretty good company. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think that's the move for them. Uh, and then it's maintaining flexibility going to the trade deadline again. Uh, I think they're going to be active once again. The name to watch is D'Angelo Russell, who's making uh, as a two-year, $37 million deal. Player option on year two. Uh, but normally, under the old CBA, he would be able to veto any trade uh, that he, you know he was included in. But he chose to waive those rights. And now he can be you know, thrown into any deal at the deadline. Uh, so I think that was kind of a... A wink, wink on both sides where he got the player option. So if he has a good season, he can opt out, get more money. Mm -hmm. And then the Lakers maintain the flexibility. Yeah, let's talk about that third piece, Austin Reeves. I saw the Rockets came out and they said if they didn't get Van Vliet, they were willing to to give this big offer, godfather offer to Austin Reeves. I know that the Spurs talked about it, about that as well. What is kind of the ideal ceiling of Austin Reeves with LeBron and AD around him? What do you expect or what should we expect from him now that he's paid like he should be? I think he could be a number three option on mm -hmm. a really good team. I, I think you just saw him be a number three option on a really <laughs> right. good team. Like, when he wasn't paid like one. Yeah, and <laughs> he, he emerged. Uh, he was really, I think we, we look at the trades as what turned the, the Lakers season around. I think the two things that haven't been talked about enough were just the addition by subtraction of getting Russell Westbrook off the team. And then second, Austin Reeves' ascension into the starting lineup. Uh, basically, from the trade deadline on, he was an 18-5-5 guy, near 50-40-90 splits. Like, one of the more efficient scoring guards in the league, and then is a plus defender, can mm. defend either backcourt spot, even some threes in, in certain scenarios. So to me, he's a perfect complement to LeBron and AD. LeBron loves him, and you, you know LeBron can be critical of young guys, can be critical of role players, but Austin got the LeBron stamp of approval early on in his rookie season. Uh, so to me, uh, when Darvin Ham's been throwing the, the A word around, all-star, uh, I, I think that might be a little optimistic, but... Uh, you know, could he make an all-star team or two, you know, playing in LA for the Lakers? Uh, we know the fan voting and stuff, you, you got a boost there, but, um, I think that that's probably the, you know, the, the 99th percentile of, of, you know, his future, but 
I think he's a really good player. I think he's a high level starter. And uh, I think the Lakers are really fortunate that they got him on the deal that they did, because uh, to me, you know, talking to people around the league, he was well worth a hundred plus million uh, if he were an unrestricted free agent. So I think that to get him at half that basically, uh, it is a steal for LA. Yeah, Caruso walked so he could fly. Um, that was the uh, <laughs> that was the dream for all Austin Reese fans. So he finally made that happen. Uh, one other thing that I thought was fascinating that I saw um, a lot of these guys were tweeting this. Draymond, Giannis, even LeBron tweeted this. Messi um, obviously does not take the Saudi mom- money, and uh, he goes to Miami. And LeBron was at that game, but Mbappe got offered apparently a one year billion dollar deal, and then all these NBA stars started chiming in saying. We're, we're available if the if the basketball league over there is willing to pay us. Is there, if you're Adam Silver or the NBA, um, are you laughing at this or are you actually worried about that being becoming a reality at some point? Uh, I'm a little nervous. Right, th- that's like, uh, that's almost the, the price of like a small market <laughs> NBA team, right? <laughs> like if you're throwing that kind of bag for one year uh, and now let's say you stretch that out to, two, three, four years, and we're talking about, you know, 1.5 to 2.5 mm. uh, That's a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I, I, LeBron obviously tweeted the, the Forrest Gump uh, gif where he was r- running. Right. <laughs> like, it's... Uh, that, and Draymond a, copied him right after. He was like, and, and okay, like, If LeBron, you're a guy, so like, if you're LeBron it. when you're 42, 43, you've already done everything you could do in the NBA. Like, why not go play there? Yeah, he's like in the David Beckham MLS phase of his career at this point. He's like, just pay me the most amount of money and I'll go over there and I'll play. And I mean, Draymond Green, you're you're now making twenty five million dollars a year. I saw someone responded to Draymond that was, I guess, from Saudi and and said, if you bring Steph Curry, then yes. (laughs) Um, But uh, that was it's it's probably that. I mean, it's going to be the high end stars. So I think it's probably the top three to five guys. Jokic, Giannis, LeBron, Curry, those guys. But. I mean, it's, maybe Jason it's, Tatum. It, it is something where, like, I wonder if this ultimately goes in the direction of the next CBA. They get rid of the max contract and it's just stars get paid you know, market value, what they're, they mm. deserve. And they're get, making 75, 100, 150 plus million. And the role players kind of get squeezed, uh, which is what's thought to kind of happen in this new CBA. Didn't necessarily play out that way. But uh, I'm interested to see where this goes long term because that level of money is no joke. And especially for one year of your life to go make almost 800 million. Like, I mean, I think anyone doing any job conversations will be had. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of happened in golf, right? With live and the PGA tour, all those yeah. conversations. I mean, I know uh, Tiger Woods got offered a billion dollars as well. Roy McIlroy was like 750 million. So then, you know, you went down the list and then Dustin Johnson was like, well, I'll take a hundred million to go over there. And then the rest is history. So it could be a conversation that happens in the NBA. Speaking of maxes, super maxes, Jalen Brown is, is the richest player in NBA history. And he is the number two guy on his team. And, and I think a lot of people, People are trying to parse through um, that reality that we're in, but that is the reality of the Supermax. Um, from one side, the Celtics kind of had to do it, but also leverage is a big part of this. How often or how much do you expect us to see um, sort of these blow your mind type Supermax deals for guys that, you know, aren't LeBron, aren't Curry, um, but they are Jalen Brown? I think this is the new normal. I mean, we've been yeah. seeing this for a few years now, uh, going back to when Mike Conley made 150 right. million and it was like, this guy's never made an all star <laughs> team. But he's making 150 million richest contract in NBA history. I think we're gonna just continue to see this. Uh, this is the new normal. This is trending more in that Saudi range, mm. uh, where you're gonna see, you know, eventually someone's gonna be the first 400 million dollar. Uh, Shake Gilgis Alexander and, probably. And, and the other thing to remember though is that the cap is going up so much right now. 
uh, about 10% projected per year, where uh, I think you got to look at it more as a cap percentage than the actual raw number, because the raw number is jarring. And uh, I mean, it was kind of funny seeing all the jokes of, uh, you know, this guy's making 300 million. He can't dribble left. Yeah, uh, I, I, I felt bad out of a bu- double team. Yeah. But like if I'm Jalen Brown, I'm spending the entire offseason just dribbling with my left. hand. Well, look, he just has to look at his bank account. And I think he's, <laughs> right. he's going to be OK. That's the Cam Newton <laughs> argument, right? Yeah. That's what Cam said to those kids that were trolling him. He was like, but my bank account is different. So, I mean, I guess that's Jalen Brown's big time argument there. Um, it is a, a wild world in the NBA. Um, there's a lot going on uh, in the offseason, even though this is kind of the dead period. When do you when do you expect? Obviously, you're covering the beat of the Lakers. When do you expect things to pick back up? And I know NBA wants to be 12 months a year, but uh, you know we're kind of down right now. But when do, when does the news cycle kind of kind of pick up again uh, for you? Well, I think it's going to depend on what happens with Dame and James Harden, mm-hmm. and and that, from my understanding, you know, going back to Christian Wood and Bismack Biombo, like those guys are waiting on that situation of does Miami. Uh, potentially need a, another center, uh, depending on what that final package looks like. Does another team, you know, is it a three or four team deal? Mm. And now all of a sudden you can go play on a contender and get some minutes and kind of rehab uh, your, your value. So I think that probably applies more to Christian Wood because I think because Bismack's been doing that. Right? Yeah, yeah, Bismack's a vet minimum guy at this point, yeah, and he's a, a second or third string center. Uh, Christian Wood, I, I think, views himself as uh, yeah, very highly. Uh, yes, and <laughs> and I think to to have the market that he's had, uh, I, I think it's you know we'll see if it's kind of a sobering experience for him. But um, I think you know we're kind of in this limbo where a lot of the league is there's still like several good free agents that haven't been signed because of this Dame Lillard situation. So I think whenever that plays out, whether it's yeah, you know, it's probably going to happen in like mid to late August when everyone's on vacation. Yeah, right. Every, just, everyone, everyone's in Martha's Vineyard <laughs> yeah. and then it pops. We're, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to get the, the tweet alert. But um, I think so around that time, I think you'll see like a, a flurry of transactions of all these guys signing in different places and, uh, you know, kind of the fallout of that. Uh, but otherwise, it's probably they push back to start a training camp to early October. So I, I think late September is when you'll start to see the guys in the gym and mm. this guy gained 15 pounds and this guy's ready to play defense and this, this guy got 15 pounds of muscle, <laughs> yeah. right? We know all the stories. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the same thing. I think late September, but probably before then with the Harden and, and Dame stuff. Yeah. One last thing. Are you watching winning time? I know this is, uh, you know, people in LA, they love talking about the eighties dynasty, the bus family. Are you locked? You're locked in. You said you're watching this. I, I love it. I, I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Uh, I know it's gotten some mixed reviews in, in terms of the, the figures that are involved. Uh, but to me, I, Jerry I think, West is bad because it looks like Jerry West, you know, but that's I mean? also that's, like, <laughs> that's a very, that's like how Jerry West would respond right. to Jerry West. Right. Like, I, I mean, I think it's, it's obviously over the top in some regards and, but that's television, right? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I, I think, you know, the storyline has, has been a little, uh, embellished where some things didn't happen in the exact order that they did, but. I think it's entertaining. I think the cast, like the casting has been really impressive where I, I think bird and magic bird, couldn't like, have been yeah. better. Yeah. Bird like looks more like Larry bird than Larry bird does right now. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's perfect. So I think it's been a fun show and I'm excited. What was interesting to me in the trailer was like, it looked like they might be covering multiple seasons mm-hmm. where last season was strictly that 79 80 year, season. Yeah. Uh, Cause you got the, the Rambus, uh, you know, Mikhail skirmish and, some things that happen more in the mid '80s, so I, I'm interested to see how you know where they take this. But uh, yeah, I, I'm a fan, and I think it's it's a fun 
uh, good show. I agree. And uh, if you like basketball and you like that Celtics Lakers kind of history, it's it's a great show to watch. And I mean, the Red Auerbach character is great. I mean, a, even yeah. though they are like hyper dramatized, they are fun. And it's a way to like uh, engage the youth, especially young Lakers fans that only know the Kobe Shaq days. Yeah. Get involved, you know, and and shout out to James Worthy because that was the best of times. Uh, he is Jovan Buha. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you getting us up to speed on all things L.A. And uh, we'll have you back, man. Sounds good, man. 